Hey, Jay. I got to be honest with you. Uh-oh. I've been racking my brain for the past couple weeks trying to come up with an intro to this mm-hmm. that does not feature Destiny's Child because we've already used, they've already yeah, come up. Yeah, we've done that. Mm-hmm. Right? Although I would argue Destiny's Child is applicable to a whole yeah. host of topics. But yes, yeah. we've done that. But you know, the reason being, folks, is because we're talking about Destiny today. You make me want to Urban Destiny. (laughs) Did you like that one? (laughs) Well, hi, I'm Jordan. And I'm AJ. You're listening to We Built It That Way, a show about how we shape the places we live and how they shape us, our behaviors, our relationships, our opportunities, and our imagination. Maybe this episode should be called Densities child (laughs) question mark overcrowding another question mark i don't know i feel like one question mark is enough alternate title for this episode densities mild uh, parentheses in the united states (laughs) (laughs) now we've weeded out all of our potential listeners today we're going to be talking about urban density and aj density is a topic that comes up all the time in cities, in suburbs, in places where people live. People are for it. People are against it. But the word itself almost seems to have its own special meaning, whether that's good or bad, to each individual person. It does. If you polled randomly 20 people and asked them what density is, you would get 20 completely different answers. Right. Well, I mean, is it a thing? Because People often talk about density as though it's an agreed upon thing, right? Yep. You, mm-hmm. you, you Should we have it? Should we not have it? We need to add more of it over here, less of it over there. You know, we can oppose density. And so the point of this episode is that we're going to just start to disentangle the word density from all the other bundle of ideas that people bring to their opinions on density. Density as a solution to all of our problems, density as the worst possible thing that can befall your neighborhood or community. All right. And uh, hopefully, you know, at the end of this, you will be able to come away and have maybe a more nuanced conversation about, about this word and disentangle it from some of the assumptions that it gets wrapped up in all the time. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I think often when we hear people talking about density, you know, it's either in very official settings where everyone in the room isn't a practitioner Mm -hmm. and they're not super technical, but they know how they feel about the big word called density. We hear it brought up a lot when people are talking about, you know, political issues, policy issues, um, issues concerning their kids, issues concerning where they work, you know, and again, it's the word that, that everyone's applying, but it's kind of like speaking a different language. You're trying to ask the question or state the sentence correctly, but you can't control how everyone else is receiving what you're saying. And you can't necessarily be sure that the way you're conveying your thoughts about it is clear. Right. So, and this may disappoint some of our listeners, but this episode, we're not really going to come to a stance on is density good? 
but we're just going to attempt to get clearer about our language. So maybe when you hear somebody talk about density, you could just ask them a little bit more about what they mean, uh, because you'll have a clearer uh, sense. So toward that end, let's extremely quickly give a, a simple description of what urban density is. We, we can come back and talk about some of the factors that go into that, but what's the simplest definition or description of what urban density measures? Well, that's the answer, really, is that it, it is a measure. There is a wide spectrum, but I think one thing that we definitely want to clarify when people use this word is it's not a singular thing that's tied to a picture that we can all envision that's going to mean the same thing for every person. Right. It is a measure that we then interpret based on our own biases, our yeah. own experiences. So that's that's the first thing to understand. And we should say, I don't know if we said or not, but it's very strictly speaking, the number of people living within a certain defined geographic area. So that could be the extents of your city. It could be like a district or neighborhood. It could be at the block scale. This measure of number of people living in a defined area. And we'll come back to that, uh, we promise. But before we do that, let's have a good faith discussion about what are some of the reasons people are against density, especially any new density where they live, and uh, what are some of the reasons why people think it's such a good thing? Yeah, so let's talk about people that have issues maybe with density. What are some of the common things we hear? You know, yep. traffic. More people equals more cars, more cars equals more traffic, more traffic equals delays, and it's difficult to get from one place to another. That's that's one of the big ones that we often hear. Yeah. You hear, and I think we mentioned this at the very beginning, was overcrowding. And that was when we kind of initially conceived of this episode, it was like, is density the same thing as overcrowding? We mm -hmm. will return to that. But I think when we people talk about overcrowding, there's maybe a few different interpretations, but I think one of them is overcrowding specifically on the streets and roadways. Yes, exactly. And then crowding, you know, as it relates to things like the view that you have from your, mm -hmm. your residence or, or your, your office location. Yep. We hear a lot of situations where people maybe bought a house and at the time they bought the house, there wasn't much around there. And so they have this expectation, realistic or not, that that is essentially the environment they're going to be in in perpetuity. And so right. it's also viewed as you're crowding my, my view. And some people, uh, you know, find a lower density, shall we say, setting to be more comfortable. They enjoy space between buildings. They might feel like claustrophobic if they're in a higher density setting. Again, we'll come back to ways to achieve higher density that may mask the actual number of people living there. But a lot of people, I think this is a pretty common one. They're like, I like to have space. I have to have a little elbow room, whatever. Yeah. And then tied to, you know, what we were saying about traffic is parking mm -hmm. because those cars have to go somewhere. Right. If everything is going to be like downtown, a lot of times people, when they 
think of density and they're opposed to it. They're thinking something much more intense than this environment that they're currently living in. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people can think of having trouble finding a parking spot, going downtown or going somewhere much more urban, so to speak. Hey, you're stealing my space. George, wait, you don't know who this guy is. People kill for a parking space in this city. Right. And that intensity stereotype or suspicion also ties to kind of assumptions about the developers that are building that area. So, you know, they're just trying to pack in as, as, as many units as they can. They're just cramming people in there Uh like sardines. That's another one that you hear a lot. Yeah. Or just kind of gobbling up land and changing it with no regard for what this community's always looked like, you know, Mm -hmm. I think maybe another one tied to that is ugly. This just ugly places, ugly buildings, just changing the whole look and feel of the of the area. Man, like sometimes big buildings are <laughs> really ugly. Like all these pros and cons are probably like have sure. s- something real. Mm-hmm. What about environmental arguments often get made? You know, the environmental movement from like the previous century oftentimes equated cities with ruinous to the environment. Of course, we've seen a big shift, and we'll talk about that in a minute, with people regarding cities as like necessary for environmental protection. But there's Mm -hmm. still often like environmental groups will be anti-density. That's very true. And, you know, a lot of that rhetoric also stems from the, you know, impetus of American cities in the early 1900s, when they started understanding all of the issues that came with fire, disease, you know, the lack of of sunshine. And so even though a significant amount of time has passed since that was a really large problem that was prevalent and begging for action, that kind of idea is still very much in play. Right. There were places of, you know, heavy air pollution, um, mm-hmm. For example, people think of factories, but the reality is also cars were very polluting. We used to have lead in our gasoline um, that's still in the soil in lots of cities um, and will be for a while. But you know what? We could probably name a few more. And you know what? Actually, I will add an extra one here. Hi, it's Jordan from the future. We left off one of the most obvious ones, probably because it was too obvious. A common complaint about density is that it will lower property values. And if there's one thing you can't do other than remove parking, it's lowering property values. We could probably name a few more. I think the big one and the one that sort of is behind all of these or most of these is change. Very understandably, people are afraid of change. They don't want change and especially very big changes. All at once. Yeah. Yeah. This can be very transformational and not necessarily in the way that people might like it to be. Yeah. It's certainly an understandable urge. Hello. I am a wealthy businessman, but that's not important here, except to establish my credibility in the marketplace of ideas. I'm here to talk with you about a cause I believe in a product, a service, A state of mind? Well, yes, in a way. You see, what if I told you there was a solution to almost all of society's problems, and it's free as the air we breathe? Density. 
It's sort of a magic word, you see. It's simultaneously the one solution to our major problems and the single root cause of all problems. No argument is hopeless when you are able to resort to the density principle, that either more of it or less of it is always the solution. Do you have a problem in your life that just won't go away? In this episode, you'll hear from just a few regular people on their experience with density. Stay tuned. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, arguments that are kind of pro-density. Yeah. There are a lot. There are a lot of arguments made saying we need more density and density is good because it naturally follows that dot, dot, dot. Well, let's name a few of them. <laughs> There's the, mm-hmm. we, we talked about the environmental argument before this sort of our sustainability argument that we, we can't just keep sprawling out across the landscape and degrading the soil we have to keep some of it for agriculture. We we have to keep a lot of it in better shape for ecosystem services. And the more we live in compact cities, the more we can preserve the rest of the land. Absolutely. Another one um, that kind of stems from that is talking about efficient use of energy, whether that's thinking about, you know, cooling and heating buildings, the energy they absorb and how, you know, mass can allow you to reuse that in interesting mm-hmm. ways that it might not without that kind of scale. And then, you know, the the opportunity, ironically, that we just talked about to reduce car use. Yeah. Because things are within a short walk. Well, speaking of energy use, you know, I mean, yeah, that's exactly. a huge uh, energy consumption right there is our, is our how we get around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So transit would factor into that, too. Yep. Obviously, there are other arguments for why transit, more transit use and less car use is good than the energy use and sustainability arguments, uh, such as it's more friendly to people who don't have the means or don't want to drive. You know, the walkability argument is often made uh, because we have so few uh, truly walkable neighborhoods and cities. I think there's a whole kind of suite of arguments that get made around lifestyle, you know, interestingness. There's a lot of ac- opportunities for, for activity. So many activities! You can walk to the corner store. It's just not viable in a low-density setting to have places yeah. like that. Yep. Then there's also the argument about fiscal productivity. You're, you're stewarding the land in the best way possible. You're getting the most out of each and every parcel, you're mixing uses and, and having the kind of variety that allow people to live and in all senses of that word, live even outside their four walls in a smaller area because of the proximity of the things you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even from the standpoint of like the city's budget, mm-hmm. we'll probably do some episodes related to this in the future, but a lot of cities spend a lot of money on their infrastructure and get very little return in like their tax, um, like property tax revenue, for example. And so a lot of people will argue that if you have a higher density, it's more economically viable, but but that also translates to like a viable model for your, for your city, like in terms of tax revenue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about the human comfort? We talked about comfort in the sense of having a little breathing room. People often make the same argument in terms of cities, like in terms of more dense settings. 
Yeah. And that could be for a lot of reasons. I mean, that, that could tie back to what we said a moment ago about having the the close proximity and ease of, of accessing what they need. It can also factor into being part of a neighborhood or, you know, a microcosm of your community that enables you to feel engaged and involved with neighbors, you mm-hmm. know, people that, that frequent the same establishments you do, the sense of knowing yeah. and being known. The variety of life that comes with that. Yeah. Um, did we mention like there's a pretty significant argument that people will return to that this is just a gigantic departure from our history of building cities. Like forever we built cities to be walked around and this new type of city that we have or you know suburban type of city that we have is just a big experiment. And we, you know, we need to return to, for all of these reasons, we need to return to a more time-tested, uh, denser settlement style. Yeah. Um, pollution, air pollution, other types of pollution. This is made on both sides of the uh-huh. coin of density. Yeah. This used to be the anti-city argument. Exactly. But because I mean, this also is. ties back to what we discussed about need for fewer vehicles, the ability uh-huh. to utilize transit, to walk. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm Jenny. And I'm Johnny. And, and we're, we're the, the Walshes. Walshes. We have 16 children. Talk about population density. Wherever we live, we make an appreciable difference in the density of our neighborhood. Yep, and density has changed our lives because, well, we haven't done a chore in years. That's right. The density does it all for us. Which gives us more time for our true passion. Spreading the good news about density. That's right. We're full-time proselytizers. We think more density should be mandatory. I mean, just look at us. It worked for us. Why can't it work for you? Here, take a pamphlet. Take two pamphlets. Take to have another one. We printed them all night. Before we move on to the next section that we're going to talk about, I have something to run by you and see let's see if you agree with me. I think that a lot of the fixation on density, you know, on both sides, pro-density, anti-density, I think a lot of it stems from maybe just how few spaces we have in North America that are truly high density or even like medium high. Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, we don't have a lot of examples for you to point to. So like, it's easy to kind of be scared about the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yes. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. It's also easy to kind of see it as like a problem solver, a knee jerk, like, well, we'll just add more density because there's so few places that really have a high level of density, like you might see in Asia or Europe and a lot of other, you know, parts of the world. Maybe part of the allure or the the backlash is just how how few examples we have. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think that's a big part of it. I think our personal experiences are one of the primary factors in deciding if we want to support or not support something within our community. We really come at that from our own bias, which is based on, you know, our experience in living different places, how and where we were raised, whether we've been around good examples of that Mm -hmm. or bad examples of that. That factors a lot into it because everyone 
considers themselves an authority in different settings on whether or not that is good or bad. Uh-huh. And when we get down to it, most of us have not had the types of lived experiences that truly make us an expert that can speak to what this means in so many different contexts. We just we haven't had that kind of exposure. And part of that is, as you you say, there's just not a lot of examples of it. Yeah. It also comes from, you know, our preferences that were ingrained in us as children from our families and, you know, their perceptions of these things, mm-hmm. whether that was, you know, d- density is just people on top of it, one another, and you have no breathing room or whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, having a good set of experiences being, you know, in close proximity to different cultures and right. people from different countries and the interesting nature of that. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, those arguments, pro and con, what we just ran through, like, those are all fine arguments, I guess. But density on its own may or may not do any of those things. Mm-hmm. Density is one factor among many that makes up the complexity of the urban environment. Yeah. I mean, cities are organisms, right? So, I mean, it's really hard to point to any one isolated thing and say, yeah. there's your causation. Healthy cities are organisms. There has been this long-running tendency to think in, in mechanistic terms, mm-hmm. um, like turning the city into a machine with limited number of interchangeable parts and quantities. And um, I know that had a, an allure in the previous century, and it's easier to do your formulas. But a healthy city is an organic form that has a lot of complexity. And an unhealthy city might be one where you overly focus on density. Well, interesting that you say formulaic because density is often used as one of the most critical components of formulas um, in looking at cities and and planning. But another thing that's interesting about that is that as much as we like having known quantities to draw our conclusions from, Mm -hmm. even that varies with density. The way that we measure it varies. It's not measured the same way in every context. You can look at, you know, density in terms of the people occupying the floors of a building, or you can also look at it as simply the the number of people that are living within a defined area. And, and yeah. there's even variation in the way we come to the conclusions on how to use that. So like we said earlier, the very simple metric that we can use is like the number of people in some given urban footprint, whether that's a block level or a city level. And we can break this up in all kinds of different ways. It ultimately cancels out to get that figure. But we can talk about the people per floor area that are in a city. We can talk about how much floor area makes up the residential area of a city. Well, we can then say, okay, of the total footprint of the city, how much of it is residential area. But we can go further than that. We can say things like how many floors are in a building, Mm -hmm. how much land in a residential area is covered, how much of a given lot is covered by a building. In the North American context, we have things like setbacks that say, yo, get back now, get back, get back now. The building can't come right up to the right to the street. So that is the kind of thing that would restrict the amount of cover that you can get for, you know, for a residential building on land. 
But we can go further than that. We can talk about the dwelling unit occupancy, which is a fancy way of saying how many people live in a house or an apartment or whatever. Mm -hmm. Are there just vacant units? We can look at you know the size of these units relative to the number of floors in the building. All of these things are their own variables that each city kind of does it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Very true. And you can still come to the same, like, for example, you could come to the same level of density differently. Yeah. I mean, for most people, when they are discussing density, you know, I think what we've we've reached this point in the episode is making clear that we're talking about facts and figures and, and numerical yeah. quantities. Whereas I don't think that's what most people are talking about when they're using that word. I want to teach calculus next year. That's ridiculous. They haven't had trig or math analysis. I think it's what practitioners are sometimes uh-huh. talking about when they're using that word. But for most people, when they're talking about density, what they're really talking about is a development pattern, a, a version of, of urban form, you know, kind of the built phenomenon. They're thinking about housing types and they're thinking about how many people are going to occupy each house. And they're thinking about how many parking spaces are necessary for mm-hmm. that house, how many cars will be present at that house. It really, it's a use of a, a very strictly defined term to apply to a very all-encompassing idea that that basically is coming down to opinions on the level of intensity, uh-huh. I think is probably a more appropriate way to articulate what most people are trying to say when they're talking about density. Sure. And as you said, that can be reached in different ways. So, you know, at a very basic level, you could have an apartment, small apartment building with six units in it, and there might be six tenants that occupy that building. Likewise, there might be a duplex that is two living units, but they're both occupied by families with four to six people per family. And that kind of thing is what people are fixated on. We seem, and this is something we could also do as a topic in a future episode, why are we so obsessed with counting how many people share a roof, but that yeah. is uh, a big part of this level of intensity that people perceive. Yeah, that perceived density is really important because, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, is it just the building size that people are bothered by? Is it the, I share my neighborhood now with this many neighbors that's bothersome? Mm-hmm. Probably some combination, but I live in a fourplex and my fourplex is the size of these maybe even a little bit smaller than a lot of these McMansions that are getting built these days, Mm -hmm. you know, on the same size lot. And so it covers the exact same footprint of the lot itself. It's just that four families live in it. And, you know, we should say as a sidebar, family types have really diversified in the past half century or more. Yes. There's more single households than ever. You know, the nuclear family is, is still kind of like, brought up a lot when we talk about planning, we talk about density. But the reality is that you you can't always tell just by looking at the size of the building, how many people live there or how many specific units there are. Correct. And likewise, you can't necessarily equate different types of family structures other than your mm-hmm. own. 
and the maybe, for example, the tendency for different generations of a family to live together longer or things of that nature, you can't likewise associate those things with just a density argument because those arguments that are often framed as being arguments against density are really arguments about not understanding how other types of people prefer to live their lives and it being different from our own idea of what the nuclear family should be and what Mm -hmm. space allocations should be and what biases and prejudices we have. There are a lot of things that are um, kind of jam packed into the suitcase of density that really don't have any bearing on it and frankly shouldn't be lumped underneath it because it has nothing to do with it. Yeah, okay. Um, Craig, 34 years old. You know, for the purposes of anonymity, maybe I'd like to just leave my last name out of this. Recently, I've just been feeling kind of down, you know? Like nothing in my life is going to go my way. I'd see other people scoring touchdowns, and I'm not even on the field. I really don't even know how to play football. Then one day, my girlfriend Tracy, she suggests I talk to my doctor about density. I'm like, whoa, density? You know, I've seen the yard signs. I'm a little scared, you know, but I didn't need to be. I'm pleased to tell you I've been using density for six weeks now. And my life is completely different. I'm fitter. I'm more popular. I've gotten a raise at work. Twice. I've even got a new girlfriend. Everybody says she's a real smoke show. Anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is... I don't want to overstep my bounds here or whatever, but... If you got problems in your life, maybe it's time you try density. It solved all of mine. You know, I'm I'm a new man now. Yeah. One um thing that we can't I don't think we can really ignore here is the role of the the automobile mm-hmm. in all of this. And that might seem tangential at first, but let's see if we can spell this out. So the car takes up a lot of space. Building a city around people using the car, you're going to get moved toward creating more space for the car, spreading things out. That's just easier. Mm -hmm. If you're building your city not for the car, well, you're kind of not going to take up all this extra space that you don't need. You know, streets don't have to be that wide. Right. So you're going to end up with more compact, higher density, air quotes, settings. Mm Mm-hmm. Same with with the construction of buildings and houses, you know, when you're having to set aside entire rooms, essentially, for storage (laughs) of vehicles in in homes um, that also dictates the the accepted standard for what that should be. And yeah. has the same effect as you mentioned. Often you've got to have parking like in a garage plus parking out in front of your house, but that's still on your lot. Or like, let's say we're talking about an apartment building. Often we can end up with these massive apartment buildings that take up a whole city block. And yeah, they're kind of a behemoth. But the reality is like a lot of them, a big chunk of the center of that building is just dedicated to like the parking garage. Mm-hmm. Or it's just surrounded by big parking lots. If you were to arrange it differently without any of the parking associated, you can have a little bit more texture in the layout of the place and maybe even give more outdoor space and achieve like something that feels like less of a giant building that you're like squeezing into. 
sometimes when we have to make space for our cars, especially in like higher density settings, that ends up squeezing the humans into smaller spaces to make space for the cars. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about kind of the crux of this, which, you know, we were we were talking about this idea of density and overcrowding. What's the relationship? Are those the same thing? You know, it's interesting in, in, in trying to put together some preparation for this. I spent a lot of time looking for studies of, of overcrowding. I think the the psychology is is particularly fascinating. But the fact of the matter is that scientists and psychologists over all of time have really struggled to measure uh, overcrowding, to create experimental um, environments where they can truly kind of substantiate what overcrowding is and the effect that it has on people and have that in a controlled setting. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of literature out there, but the basic conclusion of all of it is we still don't really have a handle on how to do this. And it's very, very much based in perception. So we, d- we still don't have a handle on how to measure overcrowding mm-hmm. and like what people consider to be crowding. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. it varies so widely. So it is like density in that way uh-huh. that one person's sprawl is another <sighs> person's, you know, compact building pattern. And there's a lot of variation between the two. Sure. You know, crowding is also something that's it's a human phenomenon yeah it factors in things like our personal preferences uh-huh. you know our mental health our fears our psychological inner workings the the context we're in who we're in proximity to you know that can that can make it vary the biases that we have i mean there's just yeah. so many things that factor into to overcrowding and whereas when we're talking about density, we're really talking about something that's a built phenomenon as opposed to something that is very much based in fear and, and psyche and perception. And there's like definitely such a thing as overcrowding mm-hmm. that is a real problem, I guess, all over the world, including in this country. And that's really like a problem of resources of like that person, that family having money. Yeah, there's slums and favelas all across the world that people live in, and they can be in dangerous situations. In particular, like when a pandemic rolls through, and you're told to socially isolate if you get sick um, or have contact. But just even outside of the pandemic, like there can be limits. Like you can you can end up in unsafe buildings that just cram too many people in, and and there's not appropriate airspace exits and stuff. And density is not like unrelated to that, but density is not, it's not like a one-to-one right. overlap, right? I think they talked about- They're not equivalencies. Right. We've got um, examples of overcrowding kind of hiding in plain sight here. And it's not, oh no, they have apartments in my neighborhood. It's like, you know, the first example that came to mind was early in the pandemic, Iowa was a real hotbed for COVID cases. And one of the worst hit places were like these rural areas where they had like agricultural factories. And a lot of these workers lived like 20 to a room or something, like mm-hmm. all sharing like a single sink. By any metric, that's not a high density area, but it right. was a clearly overcrowded living situation. That's a good example. 
Yeah, part of the the literature, you know, expresses frustrations that density and crowding have been used interchangeably, and that uh-huh. is p- part of what it has what has made it so difficult to really get an accurate understanding of each of those terms and to really to really measure them. So yeah. they're often talked about as though they are equivalent terms. But yeah. when you think about, you know, earlier we we had a little bit of discussion about benefits of density. And, you know, if these were equivalent things, then you could argue that the benefits of density are the same benefits of crowding. And uh-huh. nobody's saying that. So, Correct. you know, ergo, they're, they're clearly not the same thing. You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. You know, we'd be remiss if we didn't start trying to either dig deeper or press more assertively for um, for clarity when that's done, when those things are presented as, as equivalencies, to drill a little bit deeper and find out what's actually behind uh, the assertions that are being made. Yeah. I also think part of the attitudes of density is overcrowding is kind of related to a topic we've discussed on the show previously, which is traffic congestion. Mm -hmm. If a lot of the issue is traffic, the overcrowding is the overcrowding of the streets on my way to work or to the store. That's also kind of a correct observation that if you already live in a pretty low density setting that requires everybody to drive to get to places and requires them to only take like a few possible routes like we talked about the hierarchy that funnels people into settings that feel crowded the crowding in those spaces is a byproduct of like kind of the overall poor design i guess we just be clear about what we mean when we talk about overcrowding yeah yeah like i've hear i hear people talk about how dallas is just too dense too densely populated and it's it's funny because like your knee jerk reaction is like Dallas, Texas, <laughs> right? But when you kind of view it through the lens of like traffic is bad, well, yeah, I guess I guess it starts to make more sense what they mean. Yeah, and again, yes, you know, where drilling deeper is is a little bit helpful, I think, um, for all of us because you you know we know that one of the biggest issues that contributes to crowding in our cities is housing insecurity. Yeah, it's not building high rises. It's the thresholds and barriers to people being able to afford a place to live and have a roof over their head. And it may require multiple people to pull their resources in order to do that. That's not a function of what's built on the ground. That's a function of a a very different societal issue that has very little to do with what we often think or say it has to do with. Right. Right. Well, another thing we hear people talk about quite a bit is using the labels of good and bad as it relates to density. Is there good density? Is there such thing as bad density? I think this is kind of like provocative framing. It is. It's usually couched in the terms of it's bad density if it impacts my standard of life, (laughs) but it's good density if it's off over there and it doesn't affect me in any way. That's unfortunately how I hear that. Yeah, I think that's the NIMBY thing. Like, so long as it's not, yeah. some people are just opposed to anything new, but uh, the NIMBY tends to be opposed to what they consider their backyard. So it's like their broader neighborhood, but like often they might even be like, well, I get you need to have high density elsewhere, just not near me. Uh, that's yeah. one kind of good or bad density, <laughs> near me or not near me. Mm-hmm. I am thinking about like, Let's say we're 
put on our circular glasses and our turtlenecks and go to like let's have urban design talk right like <laughs> i did not know that turtlenecks and circular glasses were i've been doing this wrong my entire career don't you just have the image of somebody who's at like a drafting table well, I do now. Thank you. And now I know why some people don't take me seriously. I, <laughs> I that's it. I'm going and buying a turtleneck get tomorrow. Glasses. Oh, thanks for the tip. Yeah. <laughs> so, good density, like good ways or less good ways to achieve the exact same number of people per mm-hmm. per block or per per acre or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really think this is a particularly helpful way to talk about many things in the world but kind of like kind of yes there are we can talk about what makes people comfortable right sure and we can talk about what makes for a richer urban environment Mm -hmm. in like higher density settings for example it really matters like you let's say you've got tall buildings okay it really matters how that building hits the ground Mm -hmm. is the facade of this place just a a solid wall even worse is it is it a parking garage like is it oriented to like street life and there's windows and shops and is it engaging um or is it just about getting a bunch of floors onto a block yeah functional versus with design as a priority right approachable and people scale Right. And so that that could be a place where, you you know, you might hear like, well, this is density, but it's not good density. It's not additive. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a few things to talk about here if we spend a second. Like, first of all, higher density and and lower density, we might say they should correspond to like where the one or the other is appropriate. Sometimes really high density buildings and developments are uh, appropriate given the context. And sometimes they're just really out of place. Yeah, and likewise, the the design, the appearance of it is something that's an important factor. As you alluded to earlier, there is an ability to perhaps take an existing neighborhood and infill a vacant lot with mm-hmm. construction of something that functions as providing more housing units mm-hmm. than is typically available in the structures around it, but it fits in nicely and has a lot of the same characteristics with the design and the architecture so that it doesn't feel so different. Uh And when we're talking about people's objections to density, let's be honest, difference is, is the root of a lot of them as well. Yeah. Another thing that I think is, let's say you have towers and they're all kind of clustered around like a highway interchange. Well, if you draw the the boundaries right, you might have a pretty high density, you know, area of your city, but the way it interacts with the land around it, it's not providing amenities to the people that live there. It's sort of like a vertical version of sprawl. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, emotional attachments to that kind of word. It's related to density though, but like it really matters like, you know, what the connectedness Mm-hmm. is is present there. Have we mentioned the word texture? Because I think... That's why we call it silky plush, because it's just so fluid and so silky against the body. Texture is like an interesting way to talk about, to add a little bit onto the density discussion in our yeah, cities. Like you, you hear people kind of knee-jerk say, let's have more density because... And the dots don't fully connect 
density is a component. Like, yeah, Paris is a high, yeah, fairly high density city, but it's not Paris just because of the density. Right. Hi, I'm Tracy. I'm just going to say it. Density ruined my life. I used to be density curious, maybe even pro-density. But then density took my boyfriend from me. Now I've lost my ability to enjoy the small pleasures of life, such as birdsong or the smell of cut grass. They remind me of the son of a bitch Craig. My life is in shambles, but I will tell you what, ever since density came into my life, I have had the most convenient explanation for all my troubles. It's not me, it's density. I now blame everything on density and I sleep better at night because nothing is my fault. There's a guy named Peter Rowe. I think he's Australian urban planner or professor. I think he's a professor. He has suggested that we talk about urban intensity, Mm -hmm. um, uh, which I think is maybe like a better, a way to get to a more nuanced conversation about about what I think people think they're talking about when they talk about density. Yes. And he he says it's a function of four factors, which we don't have to spend a lot, of, a lot of time on, but he says density is one of them, diversity, connectedness, and compactness. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ways that those can interact with each other, but I think it like gets you towards a more nuanced discussion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we love talking about texture when it comes to talking about fabrics and food. Ah. So why not talk about it when it comes to uh, urban environments? It makes a lot yeah. of sense to me. This has exquisite mouthfeel. That interconnectedness piece is one that I find especially, I find all of that interesting, but that's one I find especially interesting because our sense of feeling connected, first of all, uh-huh can be largely influenced by how we feel about what's around us. And that's the context of a lot of what we've discussed today. Yeah. But likewise, that interconnectedness can also be fostered by careful selection and design of what we put around us. Yeah. And we tend to approach that as a a reaction to what's been done and not think about the proactive ability to foster interconnectedness. Yeah. Well, sometimes the ways that we connect or think we're connecting divide and exclude. Mm -hmm. We think that highways are a connection, but they're also a really significant divider in a lot of cases. Or just think about, I think he gave one of this as an example. Say you have a complex of a bunch of buildings and they've got these passageways connecting them in the sky but they're not none of that's accessible from the ground level and so like Mm -hmm. it's kind of connected within but it's not connected it's not interconnected with the rest of the surroundings yeah i think it's just like complexity that that matters and if your if your measures of density are like um your way of quantifying success then you just might be disappointed at the results Mm mm-hmm because I think there's a discussion to be had about, it's almost like some people I think have this idea that density will bring you success. Mm-hmm. If we just can allow more density, not just allow it, but like require it, then, then success will follow. You are close to your breakthrough. You are close to a new level. I think it's worth asking like, 
is it maybe flipped that like successful places draw increased density or increased intensity? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting question. That's definitely worth delving into because that forces us to think more about how today's decisions affect tomorrow. And typically when we are entangled in arguments or disagreements where density is thrown out on the table, those really aren't discussions that are thinking about future success. Yeah. They're discussions about today and in the here and now. Yeah. I have a suggestion. I want to call this uh, stupid analogy time. Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) High expectations based on that. I haven't really thought this through, but sometimes I think like the more density is always good crowd is... I don't know. What if it's like honesty, for example? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Or patience. Or like, we can add some of these. Like, they are good things. And to a degree, in a lot of situations, more density is beneficial because it might go hand in hand with a lot of other good things. But it's also about like the character and the deployment of that honesty. We all know people who are just honest just honestly telling you exactly what they think, but you could maybe (laughs) pair that with other... Okay, this is awkward because I'm sitting right here, (laughs) but I know what you you mean. Yeah, I mean, honesty, is it always the best policy or are there degrees of honesty? Honesty paired with like kindness, a sense for the personality of the person you're talking to, I just think you have to think about it in, you know, adjacent to more factors than just honesty is always the best policy. I will take that to heart. That sounds like my last performance review that I had. That's just my response to the like more density equals always more better. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So let's uh, let's like glide towards the end of this. Any other odds and ends we wanted to say about attitudes wrapped up in the discussions of density and why they might make sense, where they come from. Any other thoughts? I do have one. Go ahead. Then I'll add one. One that I'm not sure where I would have added in is kind of thorny, but relating to this jumble of zoning codes and other similar regulations in combination with the way that development gets financed is that the rules kind of always favor these big developers mm-hmm. who like to kind of do things all at once, a subdivision yep. all at once, or at least bought and platted all at once and built in mm-hmm. phases, or big apartment buildings that take up a whole block and are all redeveloped at once. And they they might buy up a whole block of all these cute little duplexes yeah. and stuff. And so it's like a lot of our on-the-ground experience with places densifying is they just become the same boxes that shoot up. Yep. So it's sort of easy to be like, wait a second, you made all these grand claims about what density would do, and then we just get this kind of cheap box. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying this is what all, it always is, but this is like a really common outcome. So I wonder if it's like, not I wonder, but that's just another layer of nuance to this. Yeah, there's definitely a thing, such a thing as density done right, density done well, context sensitive, density 
for sure. Kind of another odd and end thought that occurs to me is that, and it's kind of related to that, is that part of our perception about density and how we feel about it, we talked about how that can be related and linked back to experience. And for a lot of people, I think their perception of density is tied to destruction. And what I mean by that is being accustomed to seeing density as a final outcome of destruction of parts of their neighborhood Uh or whether that is causing people to be displaced, causing the loss of significant pieces and elements of neighborhoods like we discussed with the highway episode as well. Right. So being able to take something that is generally associated with a kind of destructive uh, approach is going to be important for more fruitful discussions of density as well. And then I think the other thing that's just a very human element is we, we tend to think about these questions when they're posed to us Uh since we require everything to be posed to people for their, you know, implicit approval because we Uh don't want to authorize anything by right. Is (laughs) is <laughs> we we think about we come chaos. at those I know we come at those things from where we are in our life today, and we have very convenient memories uh-huh. about where we might have been in other in other stages of our lives, and so I always think about this, particularly when I'm hearing outcries of you know density is so awful as it relates uh-huh. to apartment construction. I don't think there's any of us in our lives that have never been an apartment dweller. But for some reason, when it comes time to have a discussion about those types of projects, people completely forget how that had a role in their life at some point in time. Uh Or at least we can imagine being in a situation where you need the most affordable option. Absolutely. Let alone like liking that type of life. Well, I think there's... In the North American context, at least, for many people, in the, whether it's in the way back far reaches or if it's closer to the front, maybe there's a tendency to think of like public housing towers, mm-hmm. like projects. Yep. And be like, well, they become real hell holes of crime, unhappiness. And so there's like the equating that with density. Yep. Or yep. small units, lots of people. Mm-hmm. And that's a bundle of issues. I've said the word bundle like f- four times. I think bundle is <laughs> your word of the day for sure. Part of that is because we tried to concentrate socially built housing away from any m- more well-to-do residents. So we, we concentrated mm-hmm. it all together. Another part is yep. we just stopped funding um, mm-hmm. maintenance. We stopped treating it with dignity, like as like a dignified... Right. Like, yes, we're a civilized country. We make sure everybody has good housing. Exactly. So there's like a lot of things that contributed to those places not being good places to live. That isn't density. You got anything else? I don't. I think now that we've had some of the density discussion, that should set us up to be able to have like build on this in future with future topics. Yeah. I think there's a lot of expansion on this topic that we can do. Hopefully this is at the very least a little bit of untangling of what density is, what it isn't, what it can and can't do, and so on. 
So let's head to the end of the episode, wherein we give homework. Yay! As always, you can check the show notes and find some readings, some viewings and whatnot, resources for further study. And also, as always, we have uh, something a bit more interactive. The next time you hear somebody talk about density in a derogatory manner, investigate further. Ask them at least five different times what it is that they're really upset about. (laughs) What if you just asked... Ten different people in your life. What does high density look like? And if your if your uncle says, "I'm looking at him," then that was a pretty cute joke that your uncle made. Aww, calling you kind of dumb in case you didn't know that. Oh, thanks for explaining that to me. <laughs> I think that's good homework. I think that's good enough. Share your results. We want to hear them. Share, yeah. Uh, what she said. Plus, we want to know that there's someone actually listening to us. There's lots of people listening to this. People love us. Hello to our listeners in Finland. Hello to our listeners in Australia and uh, Hungary. Someone messaged our our uh, Instagram account from Hungary. So Winslow says hello to you. Wow. Even Winslow's impressed. Yeah. So if you'd like to reach out to us, we're on social media at We Built It Pod on twitter and on linkedin my dog's barking in the background so that means it's a good time for us to end it here (laughs) we will see you on the next episode bye everyone